Welcome to this week's E-Town Podcast. I'm Nick Forster. I don't think many of us have thought in the past about tennis being a great community builder in the inner cities of uh, this country. But in reality, there's a great story this week about that. We've also got some really good music from Green Sky Bluegrass and Israel Nash. And that's all coming right now. Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town, with this week's guest from Dripping Springs, Texas, Israel Nash, Achievement Award winners Christine and Leif Beck, and from Kalamazoo, Michigan, Green Sky Bluegrass. I'm Helen Forster, join me in now in welcoming our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town Hall. You know the deal. You know what we're going to do. We've got two musical guests this week. Israel Nash made his own record on his own ranch down in Dripping Springs, Texas, and he's here to play some songs from his new record. We've got Green Sky Bluegrass back with us to play some songs from their latest record. We always have a story about somebody doing something cool, something positive, something helpful, and this week it turns out that that story is going to be about Green Sky Dobro player Anders Beck's parents. His mom is going to be joining us by phone later on in the show. So all that's coming up. And um, this is not a common thing for these guys, for Green Sky, to play in a small room. For example, they have their own festival called Camp Green Sky. They'll be playing not one, but three nights at the world-famous Red Rocks Amphitheater this summer. And their calendar is always full of, you know, big shows at big festivals and big venues. They have a ton of fans. So this is a special opportunity but like all of us, they started out small. They started out playing bars and clubs and coffee houses and opening for other bands, and they built an amazing following. They continue to work hard, writing new songs and recording. Um, we've gotten to know each other pretty well over the years, and we're really glad that they're back with us. Please welcome back to E-Town, Green Sky Bluegrass. Kiss you 
time anymore I'll release it to the sound of every quiet place I've ever found
Green Sky Bluegrass, welcome back to E-Town. Congratulations on your success. Congratulations on your new record. It's funny because it's not that long ago since you guys won the Telluride Bluegrass Band contest. It was 2006, right? Yeah, just a measly 13 years. Yeah. You know, it seems like it's been a long time, but at the same time, it's been relatively quick to go from that entering the band contest, which means the next year you get a slot on the main stage, and then it wasn't that long after that that you just were playing, and now I think you're playing there a bunch this year, this coming festival. So it's become another one of those spots where you're right at home. Yeah. But now you guys also have your own festival, which is a whole nother layer of, oh, wow, you've got to actually think about parking and, and uh, yeah. camping and portalettes and all that stuff. You do? <laughs> Maybe you don't. Yeah. But no, we do. Someone on your team does. No, we yeah. think about portalettes a lot. Um, <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, we have, a, you know, there's not much that we've done more research on than festivals. This is you true, know, like yeah. We, We've put our time in as, yeah. we, like, we should be able to throw a really good festival because we have spent lots of time right. at other people's festivals, you know? It's like... Uh, Some of which you remember. Yeah. What were we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> who, who, are, who are you? And I think, uh, I think it's, as, as much as we're just kind of joking around, it's a cool thing that you've created a sound and built an audience and, and worked hard to play all these places and worked hard playing clubs and working your way up and building a fan base. And then when you get to have your own festival, it must feel a little bit like a family reunion. And you get to see a whole bunch of people, as you often do, singing your lyrics back to you. That must be an amazing feeling. Absolutely an amazing feeling. Yeah. It's rather than be like, yeah, we're really lucky and everything's going amazing. And, you know, it's easier to kind of blow it off and make jokes about it for us. But it's certainly not lost on us, like, how grateful we are to be in the position we are. It's, yeah. it's ridiculously cool. We're incredibly lucky, and that's not lost on us. Yeah. You know? um, and speaking of family reunions, you're about to be uh, a family man of an, with another dimension here pretty soon, right, Paul? Coming up? Yes, I am. My child is here in utero. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Anders, I just think it's such an interesting happenstance that your parents are the winners of the Achievement Award this week. And did you know that when you're, um, when you're growing up, did you know they were generous, civic-minded, and, you know, righteous folks? Yeah, I really did. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's, it, was never, it was never not apparent. Um, they always sort of believed that serving kind of the greater good of, you know, humanity or whatever you want to call it was always an important thing. And it's cool because, uh, you know, again, we're talking about how lucky we are to be successful at what we do and have all these amazing fans and get to travel around the country and play in amazing venues to amazing people. Um, well, we're going to hear from uh, your mom in just a little while, Anders, but right now uh, she'll set us straight. She'll tell the real See, look, story. These people are just like me. They think I it's a your wait. mom joke. Every time you say we're your mom, it's like, it's, you know, it's like by default. I'm talking to your mom later, I'm like, I'm either in trouble or there's a punchline. I don't know. But the thing is, the thing is, she's amazing, and you'll see. You'll see. Yeah. It's Nick Forrester calling from the principal's office. <laughs> It does feel a little like that, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm nervous. You know, don't ask her about me. I'm excited. I also feel like this entire interview is just going to get cut out of the entire <laughs> radio show for sure. We're not going to keep any radio of this. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I appreciate you guys visiting again. Again, congratulations on your success on the road and uh, with the new record. We've got lots more music to get to. Please welcome back to E-Town, Green Sky, Bluegrass. Thank you. 
Bluegrass, Andrews Beck on the dobro, Mike Bond on the banjo, Dave Bruce on the guitar, Mike DeVol on the bass, and Paul Hoffman on the mandolin. 
The new record is called All For Money. These guys will be back to play some more music later on in the show. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by Silk, a pioneer of plant-based beverages that supports the environment as the charter sponsor of Change the Course, a program created by National Geographic to help conserve and restore fresh water to the planet. More about Silk's environmental commitments and plant-based nutrition at silk.com. And by our diverse family of NPR affiliates and community stations, plus college and commercial stations, as well as our international stations and podcast subscribers worldwide. Thank you so much for your continued support. Now, if you're curious about E-Town's home base, E-Town Hall, our beautiful solar-powered music venue, community center, and recording studio in downtown Boulder, Colorado, you can learn more about it on our website, etown.org. You're listening to E-Town. You're listening to E-Town. Green Sky Bluegrass is going to be back later on in the show. And coming up, Israel Nash is here from his home in Dripping Springs, Texas. Before we bring him out, though, I told you about how we always celebrate somebody who's doing something uh, to help others, to make their community a little stronger or better, somebody who's working hard to fight climate change or other challenges. Well, this week, uh, we are keeping it all in the family, the Green Sky Bluegrass family. We are going to talk with Dobro player Anders Beck's mother about her role in benefiting her community uh, over the course of many years. It's the Achievement Award, and here comes Helen Forrester to tell you about this week's winner. Thank you, Nick. Yes, we were curious when we heard Anders mention the work that his parents had done over the years, so we did a little research. Both of his parents had been professional tennis players in their youth, and along the way they befriended American tennis legend Arthur Ashe one of my all-time heroes. They met during the 60s civil rights era, and they decided to try to encourage underprivileged youth in their hometown of Philadelphia to play tennis, not as a way of developing a new champion by any means, but as a way to bring something new into the lives of these kids, to expand their horizons and uh, help them continue with their education. Anders' parents, Christine and Leif Beck, literally went door to door offering free tennis rackets and lessons to inner city kids. Well, Christine is now a nationally recognized educator, civic leader, and author, and she can tell us more, but those early efforts really, really added up. So please welcome by phone from her home in Philadelphia, Christine Beck. Hi, Christine. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Nick. It's a pleasure. Do you prefer Chris or is Christine okay? Which do you like better? Chris is normal. Chris. Chris okay. Great. Well, Chris, yes. thank, thank you for joining us. So as I understand it, you went to college in North Carolina in the early 60s, and uh, you played tennis in college, right? Yes, I did. Queens University of Charlotte. Queens University. When, when you were traveling as a college athlete, were there signs of segregation still in the South when you were traveling around? 
There certainly were in Charlotte. You know, I was quite appalled, actually, that black people had to sit in the back of the bus. I mean, that was my first experience. Mm -hmm. And then another experience I had early on was when Arthur Ashe and I were playing in a junior tournament in Wilmington that he was not allowed to go in the locker room. Wow. And this was when I was about 14, 15, and he was too. And that was really my first experience with civil rights issues and yeah. lack of justice. And that really threw me for a loop and opened yeah. my eyes. It sure. must have been really eye-opening for you. And, and at that early age, at 14 years old, to share that with Arthur Ashe. I understand that you and Arthur Ashe also share a birthday. Is that right? Yes. July 10th, 43. July 10th, 1943. <laughs> That's so cool. And he was such an inspiring champion. I mean, he literally had to kind of break the race barrier in a very white sport. He certainly did. And at that time, tennis was sort of a lily white sport, mainly in country clubs. Right. He grew up in public court. And when Arthur won the first U.S. Open, he said, wow, how can other kids have this opportunity that I had? Yeah. So he created um, a program called National Junior Tennis League and focused on inner city kids and giving them the opportunity to have broader exposure in their lives. And that's when Leif and I started a, a program here in Philadelphia. Yeah. And you had met your husband through playing tennis as well. Is that right? We did. When I was 15, I had a mad crush on him. <laughs> as I understand it, you and your husband would literally knock on doors and give away tennis rackets and offer free lessons to kids in the inner city of Philadelphia. Is that right? Yes. To get kids out to play, we knocked on the doors and tried to bribe them with Tennis rackets, we'll give you one, we'll give you a team t-shirt if you come play. And they did, they loved it, right? And, so, and obviously your interest was not just in getting them to be exposed to tennis. It was bigger than that, wasn't it? It's trust building to start with also, right? We yeah. have white suburban people, which I am, going into underserved, mostly black neighborhoods. You know, why are you here kind of thing. And to have the kids trust you to say, oh, yes, I want to read this book. Oh, yes, I want to go to this other neighborhood. Yes, I want to learn how to hit the tennis ball and serve. So that's the important part of it. The idea of this program was not to create champions. The idea is to open doors, give them the chance to understand they could do something beyond themselves, beyond their neighborhoods, and learn more about the world and their potential. Yeah. Well, tell me about the neighborhoods. Well, back when we started this in North Philadelphia, there were gangs active in those days. So, yeah, that was the neighborhood. <laughs> right. And what age kids were you dealing with mostly? 12 to 15, mostly. And did you get the sense pretty quickly that it was working and that it's actually helping them move in a positive direction? Yes. And the other part of the program was taking them to other neighborhoods to play team competition, even though they were just starting tennis. And that added to getting to know that they could go safely to other neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. which is something they hadn't done before. Opening doors, right? Right. And, you know, most of these kids did not have books in their homes, and they were all behind grade level in reading. So we took books to the playground sometimes, and just tried to expose them to books, expose them to something else besides the tennis ball. <laughs> yeah. And Chris, let me ask you, in, on an average year, how many kids would be involved in a program like this in the Philadelphia area through the National Junior Tennis League? More than 1,000 wow. in one year. Yeah, it became a pretty widespread program. And then once we developed the Arthur Ashe's Tennis Center, it was into a program. 
so kids could come all year round. I couldn't help but notice that since you share Arthur Ashe's birthday, uh, that means that this coming July you're going to be 76 years old. So you're still at this. You're still looking for ways to make a difference? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've also been involved with Children's Literacy Initiative, which is, again, working on helping kids get to grade level in reading by the time they're fourth grade. And again, inner city underserved kids just need so much help and so much attention. I can't walk away from it, especially when I meet young people who, well, middle-aged people who started with the tennis program. And again, they went to college and played tennis and now have good jobs. And, you know, it's pretty special. You can't stop, right? Well, it's just, it's a remarkable story that you took the time and you stuck with it. And you and your friend, Arthur Ashe, and your husband, worked hard together to build this uh, National Junior Tennis League in Philadelphia, in those inner cities, working primarily with black kids, helping them stay in school, helping them see other possibilities and other opportunities. And clearly, it's affected thousands of people over the years. So congratulations, Chris, for that. Well, thank you so much. It's really an honor and a treat to talk with you. I really appreciate you being a part of this show in particular. And, and just so you know, Anders is doing okay. We keep an eye on him. He's, <laughs> he's behaving himself for the most part. So, Well, we're certainly proud of him, that's yeah, for of course sure. You are. And the whole band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Chris, congratulations. We're going to send you a, um, and your husband, a Frankie Achievement Award certificate. And that's the winner of this week's Achievement Award. Chris Beck, co founder of the Philadelphia chapter of the National Junior Tennis League, helping thousands of young kids find a pathway to success. Congratulations, Chris. Thank you, Nick, very much. Appreciate it. If you've enjoyed hearing this story and you want to share it with your friends, it's on our website, etown.org, where you can find Chris's contact information as well. Finally, if you know of someone you think deserves some recognition because of their efforts to either better the planet or the lives of others in some way, like Chris, send us their story. They could very well end up on the air. That can be done on our website as well. That's, again, etown.org. Or you can always write us the old-fashioned way at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, Chris. It's a great story. It's a lovely connection. Uh, we got more music coming up from Green Sky Bluegrass in a little while. Right now, I want to tell you about our next guest, Israel Nash grew up in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri. He moved to New York City as a young singer-songwriter. He began playing and recording there, and, um, and eventually he moved to Austin, Texas, to that area where he's lived for a little more than 10 years on his own ranch in Dripping Springs with his own uh, recording studio on site. He's just put out a new record, and he's here for his first visit, along with his friend Eric Swanson. He's a great singer and songwriter, really happy he's here. Please welcome to E-Town, Israel Nash. Thanks, Nick, Helen, and the Etones for joining us. Yes, welcome. Welcome, though.
hearts of wonder keep me around these same fires will always last it's just like water
Hey, um, Israel Nash, welcome to E-Town. Well, it's good to be here, Nick. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thank you. I want to go back just a little bit, and I know you grew up in Missouri in the Ozarks. Were you in a musical family? There's a lot of music going on around there. Yeah, um, my dad was a, a Southern Baptist minister, and um, you know we were in small churches, and his whole side of the family played and piano and sang church hymns, and my mom's side, uh, my grandma and my grandfather had a Sunday morning radio show. Yeah. So, yeah, I had family all around me, and it was that musical direction. So those doors were open for you. Yeah. You could walk in there. You, you knew that playing and singing and celebrating was a yeah. part of life. Yeah. So I want to ask you about, I know when you were living in New York, um, you had an opportunity to go and record upstate in the country, not too far from Woodstock. That felt to me, was, I was as I was reading about this, like that was a kind of a watershed moment for you. It was. Um, so I think at that time, you know, I was really into the band and the music from Big Pink and this, right. these concepts and, and Woodstock and this, I think these ideas that you can make music anywhere, that you can uh, find it anywhere, you can record it anywhere yeah. if you got the right people around. And right. So that was the idea was, let's just get a bunch of things and bring it to the space. And it was a big barn and a house and, you know, rented that for 12 days. And it was the first time that I had done anything like that. And it's just, you're getting lost in things. And that's what creativity does too, in that spirit of inspiration that when, you know, because it happens in layers where it's like I'm by myself, hold up in the studio, tapping the universe for sounds or ideas, you know? Yeah. And speaking of tapping the universe for sounds, I understand you've recorded a bunch of stuff on your ranch, including like <laughs> dripping water the and universe. the sound of rocks and a rattlesnake and just whatever you come yeah. across. Oh, I was really into this, you know, this John Cage idea and like this music of the now and you know, how, because I think that's been a journey for me too, is, yeah. is trying to appreciate and being part of the moment as much as I can be. Um, I would like re record like rhythmic tracks with leaves, you know, so you could like. Yeah, I can imagine that. And we came out with a bunch of sounds, but um, yeah, we recorded like drums in the water tank. So we get all of our water there and drinking yeah. spring with the rain collection. So that makes this awesome reverb chamber. Wow. So it was just about getting these sounds not only to paint the album, but also to inspire. Yeah. Everyone around me, you know, so. I, I want to just take a minute and let our radio audience know that Israel Nash is a big guy and, you know, long hair and a beard, and he's, he's a strong-looking man. But this record has got some very delicate, I mean, I think the I Ching shows up in part of this process, yeah. and there's a, a spirituality and a kind of um, back-to-the-land thing that almost feels like it's, you know, we were hanging around with David Crosby yesterday, so it puts me in mind of Laurel Canyon, 1969. Yeah. You know, there's this sort of sweet hippie thing going on. Yeah, I guess I, I believe in that. And I've learned to just appreciate that so deeply that we share this connected path together. And it's like, sometimes those words and these spiritual ideas can be so big. And I think that's what we do a lot of times. We make things so complex and it's the things that, that add spirit, things that add beauty to the world, the, you know, love, art, friendships, you know, find those things and, and grow them. Yeah, you know. Meanwhile, congratulations on making a good record there. And it feels good. The record feels good. Thank you. Yeah. So we're going to get back to music. Welcome back, if you would, Israel Nash.
guys so much. That's Israel Nash, along with Eric Swanson on the pedal steel. And E. Jones, Chris Sangaman, Ron Jolly, Zach Littlefield, and Helen Forster. The record's called Lifted. And on desert folklore music, Israel Nash. This portion of Etown is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. Now, if you tuned in late and you've missed some of this week's program, the E-Town podcast will have this episode and others, along with content from past shows as well. A lot of good stuff, and it's available for free in Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, and all of those podcast directories. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forrester. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who hear E-Town on stations like WQKL 1071 in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on KTAO, KTAO, Solar Radio, Taos, New Mexico, and on WDST Radio Woodstock in Woodstock, New York. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Okay, new songs, new records, different voices, styles. It's led us back right here. It was cool having that connection with uh, Anders' mom, and uh, we like the connectivity. Right now, we're ready to get back to music. Would you welcome back to this date, Green Sky Bluegrass. Lightning that hits the ground run 
sparking flames that roam for miles. Lonely is the wind that keeps on moaning, like a lover's kiss by by. time for one more song we uh we had a really interesting time thinking about what song to play and we came up with something that i think is going to be um groundbreaking in its own way uh, i want to thank all our guests i want to thank of course um israel nash and eric swanson for coming out being a part of the show this week i want to thank chris and leif beck helping kids through tennis in uh, inner city Philadelphia, honors his parents. Thanks to Green Sky Bluegrass. Thanks to Helen and the E-Tones and our crew and engineers. Thanks to all of you guys for coming. This is a, uh, this is an old folk song that we learned this afternoon with the, uh, we learned this from Katy Perry. I'm Nick Forster, hope you can be with us next week. 
right here in E-Town. recorded at E-Town Hall and produced by our donor-supported nonprofit organization. To comment about the show, send us an email at info at etown.org or reach us on Twitter or Facebook. Distribution of E-Town is made possible by our family of sponsors, this station, and listeners like you. So
This is a production of the E-Town Radio Network. That's this week's E-Town podcast. Israel Nash, Green Sky Bluegrass, a great Achievement Award story. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.